Hello, everyone, and welcome to the On The Record podcast presented by The Western Weekender. On this podcast, I am joined by special guests who have such great stories to tell about Penrith and the role they've played in our city. Today, my special guest is Prue Carr, the State Member for Londonderry and Deputy Leader of the New South Wales Labor Party. Prue's story is a great one, an emu plains kid who has gone on to reach huge highs in her chosen profession. Prue, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, we always start with the question, uh, where were you born and where did you grow up? Well, um, don't hate me, you don't hate on me for this, but I actually was born in Brisbane. Oh, wow, Queenslander. I know, so I'm a Queenslander. Uh, my parents moved up there briefly um, where they had a baby mm-hmm. and then moved back to Western Sydney. So really, uh, I was born in Queensland, but uh, I have been. I was living in Emu Plains from the time I was a toddler, um, which is where all my childhood was spent. And where so, I went to school and, yeah. As long as you don't cheer for the Maroons. At, uh, I definitely don't cheer, origin cheer time. for the Maroons. I don't worry <laughs> about that. So what was Emu Plains like in um, in those days growing up? Uh, I honestly uh, feel like Emu was such an idyllic place to grow up. It was, you know, your classic Aussie family um, life. Uh, my parents worked really hard to provide my sister and I with a really good um, childhood. Um, we, we both went to Our Lady of the Way mm-hmm. in New Plains, um, around the corner from where my parents still live, and it's still my childhood home. And you know, every you know, they they help me now pretty much every day with my own child, um, <laughs> and uh, and we have such a strong connection to that community. I just I love Emu Plains. I think my parents, if they won the lottery, would just sort of probably go up um, and uh, build up in the house they're living in. They'd never need leave Emu Plains uh, for love of money. And uh, what did they do? Well, my, my parents were both bankies. Yep. They met while they were working in the bank. Um, and uh, my dad stayed at the ANZ Bank until his retirement. And my mum worked at Lowe's in Penrith uh, while we were both going through school, my sister Courtney and I. Um, so we often joke that she's pretty much outfitted everyone in Penrith <laughs> in their school uniforms at Lowe's in the plaza. She started working there in the old plaza, if people can remember, uh, before the great new plaza was Westfield was built. Um, so, yeah, so they you know just worked really hard. They gave us a great life, um, and they were just brilliant role models than they are to this day. So growing up, was politics a big part of your fellow? Were, were, yeah. Are they political people? Are they, um, you know, was politics at the dinner table or um, or did that? where did that really come from? Yeah, not really. Uh, they, you know, in full disclosure, they're always definitely Labor people. Like I always had a sense that they were uh, Labor supporters. Which at that time, I guess, pretty common for this area as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, Yeah, true. And for people who had grown up in Western Sydney, Mm. um, both of them. My dad had had migrated um, from India, actually, when he was a teenager, but spent most of his life in Western Sydney. So, yeah, that's true. Very common in those times. Uh, But really, I sort of... Uh, my interest sparked when I was about 15, which does sound a bit unusual, but I was in year nine at school at Carolyn Chisholm. Uh, and uh, I said to my my mum, like, I'm really interested in politics. I was watching Meet the Press on a Sunday, <laughs> um, which I think was on Channel 10 at the time. And I was screaming at the TV during the federal election. And my mum said, you know, you can you can join the Labor Party. And like for a for a 15-year-old girl, like, as if you know that. Yeah. So they definitely encouraged me. It wasn't sort of forced on me, but definitely there was a strong sense of um, encouragement. And you say you you went to Caroline uh, Chisholm, where you did become school captain, so I'm guessing you were a pretty good student? 
Uh, I loved school. Um, you know, that, that school was, uh, I had such a, a beautiful experience there. Um, I saw Glenmore Park completely change in my time. Like I remember when I first started there, it was Regentville. Um, there were no houses. I think the school was next to like pretty much farmland. And then in my time there, like in the sort of mid 90s to, to 2000, it just completely exploded. Yeah. So I was in the first group as it would have it to go from year 10 to then year 11 to year 12 because people might remember that both Doms and Chisholm were 7 to 10 schools and then they mm-hmm. went 7 to 12, yep. And so subjects at school, was there was there a particular, you know, was, was politics obviously at that point has become a big focus for you? Yeah, um, I loved English and all the humanities subjects. Yeah. Um, my English teacher and, and I were very close and she really encouraged me. In fact, the day, there was a day... Um, that when I first joined the Labor Party that I, um, Kim Beasley was coming to Warrington to Harold Kaur to launch the campaign of the then failed little, uh, Labor candidate for Lindsay at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, and I called my English teacher and I said, oh, look, this is happening. She said, take the day off school. So they were very <laughs> encouraging <laughs> of me. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed my time at that school. Fantastic. The principal at the time and Wenham was really, yeah, it was a really great experience and a really great group of girls. And I guess the good thing about that is, say, a good group of girls in that school years, it's a really luck of the draw, isn't it? Like yeah. sometimes you can have a, a a school year that just stays together and remains friends and other times it's all over, you know, as soon as year 12 ends. But it sounds like you've had a pretty close bond there with, with, with that school and students there. Yeah, that's true. And I think just generally, like, people know that Penrith feels like just a big, small town anyway. So, like, we sort of all keep in contact online and it's nice to see everyone sort of growing up and having their own families and living their lives. Many of us still live in this community um, where we're now raising our own kids. Now, there was a big, I guess, uh, it's almost less now, but particularly around that time, there was very much a, hey, I finished school, I'm leaving Penrith. That, there was a lot of people kind of felt yeah. that. Did you have that feeling or you always wanted to be around here? Yeah, I definitely always wanted to be around here. And I think, like, it's sort of proven to be that, like, why would you? I'm biased because now part yeah. of my job is to to spruik this area. But, like, why would you? Like, especially if you want to raise a young family, like, this is this area just, just keeps getting better and better. Like, I never had a sense that I wanted to leave this area. Like, you know, I always lived here. Um, and I'm really proud that my own family is being raised in the Penrith area. So you leave school at this point. You're a member of the Labor Party. Yeah. Um, at that point, are you well? Hey, I this is what I want to do for a living, um, or is it still just a political interest? Where 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 did the this is what I'm following career wise come in? Yeah, like I I think um, I would I was in sort of involved in Young Labor and like people obviously you know you can join the Labor Party or the Liberal Party or whatever in the country you can join the Nats and they all have these youth wings and I was really involved in Young Labor and. I knew that it was like a lot of like-minded people that shared a lot of my views. Um, I probably at that stage didn't think that I would do it for a career. I actually really wanted to go into journalism mm-hmm. uh, because, like, I loved English. Uh, you know, I, I loved writing. I thought that that would be. I loved public speaking. I thought that that would make sense. Uh, and sort of what happened was, I um, I went. I started my uni degree, uh, and I became more and more involved in politics. And I sort of realised, wow, like maybe I can actually make a career out of this. I really thought that if I worked hard enough, maybe I could make a difference in the world via politics. And you, or actually, let me ask first, the 
people obviously generally inspire, you know, who was who were you particularly inspired by at that stage? Yeah. Um, you know, because generally someone's got someone that made them go, yeah, that's that, that's who I'm listening to, that's who I want to be like, or or that makes me want to follow that direction. Yeah, look, um, to be honest, probably at that stage, I don't think there was like one person, like I didn't want to be like Paul Keating or Wolf Whitlock mm. or, you know, Bob Carr or someone like yeah. that. Like I, I felt like... Um, I could make a difference in my own community and probably to the state and the country. But, like, honestly, people ask me this question all the time, but I don't feel like there was, like, one person that I wanted to emulate. Like, you hear some people talk about people from both sides, but not really for me, to yeah. be honest. Like, I just sort of sort of felt really drawn to the cause on issues, if you like. Yep. And and you follow you ultimately end up following a, a reasonably typical path yeah. for for some, which is all levels of government um, in terms of local and then state. How did the council your first tilt for council come about? Yeah, well, I um I was uh, really keen to run for council. Um, I had had a couple of jobs in politics at that stage. Um, I was really close to the previous Labor member for Lindsay, David Bradbury, mm-hmm. and uh, he suggested that I put my hand up for the Labor Party pre-selection for Penrith Council, uh, and I did that, and I, and I was pre-selected to run for the South Ward, and then it's a really tricky spot for us, traditionally, um, that sort of second spot in South Ward, and I ended up gained, getting elected uh, and in 2008. And it was I was the very last councillor to get elected at that election. So it was yeah. like right, like I just sort of got in and the the, um, the skin of my teeth. So it was yeah, it was it was a very interesting experience for someone that had spent you know a lot of their um, previous years campaigning for other people to be involved. Uh, and then I loved being on council. I thought it was really really fun. Council's interesting because there's a lot of people who argue or well, we shouldn't have you know party politics in in council yeah. or whatnot. But the reality is that. You know that's a that can be a really great connection to have it at other levels of government if you you're you know you're in a certain party at, at council, but you really do get to deal with real true on the ground issues at at council. So that must have been a a good time and a good footing to for what was to come in the future too. I think in reality, it, there's a reason why there's so many people in state and federal parliaments who have been on in local government because it does give you a good training ground. But I have to say, I think Penrith does a good job generally. And all of us do it, like people on the other side of, like, we, we're we not that party political mm. on the council. Yeah. So while it does give you a good, um, it throws you in the deep end in terms of dealing with people's issues, um, responding to, uh, you know, people that you're supposed to represent, you know, learning how to, um, I suppose, stay accountable to people, um, you know, facing up to the electorate, trying to navigate the insane levels of bureaucracy to get what you think is a simple thing fixed. Yeah. Um, that is a really good training, uh, but it's not that party political on Penrith. And I think that also was uh, a really good lesson to take, to be honest. To, to Like sometimes you have to work with everyone across the spectrum. You mentioned David Bradbury there, um, someone obviously who you worked with pretty yeah. extensively. Many people would say probably one of our best federal members yeah. um, in, in Lindsay. Uh, what did you learn from him? Yeah, um, I learned a, a very strong work ethic from Dave. Like he was, he, I don't think would have had a free day, like as his time in, mm. as a federal member. Like he was constantly working for the community. Um, he, uh, he would, 
be very um, insistent on, you know, like er returning everyone's call, you know, making sure he's constantly in the media advocating for issues. Um, he, he definitely gave me that sense, like he, like you really have to earn the, um, the privilege of representing the community. Now, you stay on council until 2016, but we'll, we'll, we'll go a year earlier to, yeah. to 2015 in the state election where uh, you win the seat of Londonderry. Just before that, how, how does the nomination process come about? So yeah. uh, were you at any point, you know, earmarked as, hey, Prue's the one for, for years down the track, or um, did you drive for that? What, what, what's the process involved in that? Yeah, well, um, I had previously run for the seat of Mulgoa mm -hmm. uh, in 2011, and that's when Labor lost government, yeah. and it was just an absolute disaster. Like, like I th I'm pretty sure – I've tried to block this from my memory, but I think it was a 27% swing against us in that seat. So, Pretty I, awful time to come into <laughs> the uh, fold. So, learning experience, you know. Um, so I had um, decided that, you know, I wanted to run again, and there was a redistribution of boundaries – and some of the suburbs that were in Mulgoa were redistributed to Londonderry. And so um, I was keen to run for that seat. And it was a, a lot of those suburbs were ones that I represented on council um, in my ward. So I had um, gone to the Labor Party and said, like, I'm keen to uh, nominate for this seat. And then there's a pre-selection process. Uh, you know, if other people nominate, then pre-selectors vote for who the best candidate they think is. Um, and in the end, I was the only nomination for that. So I was pre-selected a long time out before 2015. Mm -hmm. There was about, um, I think we worked out it was almost 500 days or something because we um, we had to win the seat back from the Liberals who had had it. The member was retiring, Bart Bassett, but it was a, the, the government had held the seat. So that's how we, um, yeah, it was just a very, very long campaign to win. Which... Obviously, it's not always possible to have a 500-day yeah. campaign, but um, I guess in that instance proves that, that sometimes that is the way it needs to be. Sometimes yeah. the, hey, five weeks beforehand, a, a nominee pops up, a candidate pops up. It, they just don't have the time yeah. to, to really entrench themselves in the community. I am the biggest fan for this, like, and I think it just really gave me the best foundation like there is literally no better way than like literally knocking on as many people's doors and in the end you know I would have attempted to get to every house in in my electorate at least once and there was a lot of phoning and to be honest like if you are elected like I was so blessed to have been like when you are actually having to make decisions if you're in parliament or represent people, like if you have had 500 days of speaking to people one-on-one, -on -one, like that totally changes you. Like it completely changed me as a person and as a professional in my job. Now you mentioned just then knocking on doors. Yeah. So back in, this is you know, a fairly long time ago now, I, I had the bright idea that I wanted to go door knocking with um, one of our local MPs, and that was Karen Palazzano, the state member at the time. And I said, That well, is going back. I yeah. said, Yes, <laughs> it certainly is. And I said, Well, I'll, I'll go out with you for a day of door knocking. And at the end of that day, I was, I don't know how you would do this every day. I, really, I honestly just don't know how you, between door slamming and, yeah. and, and legitimately then the, the opposite as well, which is people who are in desperate need of assistance for something yeah. and, and they see you there and they think you, you could be the person yeah. to, to help me. But how do you do that? How do you do, how do, you do that every day? That's I am not just saying this, but I honestly really enjoy it. And I think genuinely people are amazing and lovely, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And uh, people uh, don't expect you to do it. Mm. 
But the truth is, you could be knocking on the president of the Scott Morrison fan club. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't know who you And I have many times knocked on a door of someone who um, absolutely hates the Labor Party, right? Mm. Uh, and that's, that's the way it goes. And that's one of the amazing things about this country is that you can have a view and you can express it to a politician and... That's that's yeah. your democratic right. Like yeah. it, it's actually like anyway. It, I I really enjoy it. I think it is the there's no better way. Um, like a lot of people do phoning. I do a little bit of that too. But looking in the whites of someone's eyes and getting a sense of where people are at and what they need. Like at the end of the day, that's 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 the old politics that people lament that we don't have anymore. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So 2015, um, Coalition retains government, but you win the seat of Londonderry. So um, w- is it mixed feelings that night or yeah. is it, um, is it well, relief that you've won the seat primarily? Yeah, I was just, I was, uh, it's just a real big sense of responsibility, I suppose, that night and, um, and uh, a real privilege. Uh, I, yes, they did win government and that was sort of, I remember at the time thinking this is going to be interesting because I need to represent my community, my party's not in government. It's a sort of peculiar set of uh, things to work with, um, but very, very grateful to be elected. Very, very grateful. How difficult is that then? I mean, you're still in that position now. That yeah. may well change in, in 12 months' time, but how difficult is it to be in, in opposition in general, but you're holding the seat and yeah. you're their representative locally? Yeah, look, uh, it, it can be difficult because governments can play politics, of mm. course, um, but at the same time, you can actually put pressure on a government to get a solution for your community. Um, and there's been plenty of examples, I think, where I've been able to work with a community to get a good outcome from opposition. And, well, to that point, you know, there's, I guess, nothing that you won't stand up for and do you you've been in um i don't know how many photos with uh, with us <laughs> at the, <laughs> the western weekender and radio interviews and everything else so i guess one of the most important things is to stay vocal and not yeah. just not just say well there's nothing much i can do from opposition i think um the sort of community i represent is one where people expect me to fight for um things that matter to them and that's uh, like I, I just try to keep on top of everything, and I think that people deserve that at the end of the day. And if they don't think I've done that, well, then they'll kick me out, and that's the way it goes. In twenty nineteen, of course, you you won the seat again, but again, the coalition is yep. is elected. Um, there was probably a feeling that you were a better chance, Labor were a better chance in twenty nineteen than twenty fifteen. So was that more disappointing in in twenty nineteen to know that then mm. there's four. More long years to, yeah, to I go mean, in like, opposition. As a rule, like politicians don't like being in opposition, right? Because you want to be able to deliver for the community mm. that you represent. So I, I suppose, yeah, it is disappointing. Um, but the, the voters very rarely get it that wrong. And, you know, I think we just generally, we have to seriously learn lessons. And to be honest, I'm pretty sure that we're well on the way to learning some of the lessons from the previous elections. Uh, and then hopefully in 2023 we can really make a good go of it. In the meantime, of course, you you rise up through the shadow ministry, um, become the shadow education minister, um, now the deputy leader. Now the deputy leadership comes about when Chris Minns obviously yep. takes over um, as leader. How difficult was that period? Like any leadership change is obviously yeah. really, really difficult and you had to make a tough personal call around that time. Yeah, like it's not nice, right? And it plays out in the media, which is pretty unfortunate. Uh, but at the end of the day... Uh, I really believed that Chris was a better shot at winning government 
and I want to be able to represent my community and government so we can get results. Uh, and to me, even though it's a difficult period, that was somewhat of an easy decision. Uh, and Chris and I have been able to work really well together, I think, and he's really committed to giving Western Sydney a good voice. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're out there working hard. Much of this last term now has been dominated by the pandemic. Mm. I'm interested in how difficult that was from, from the opposition standpoint because there were times when, hey, we just need to be you know, totally bipartisan here. We need to... All we're doing is tackling the, the pandemic. Let's support the government. But there must have been, even early on, frustrating days. Where you're like, that's not... I think everyone, no matter if you think the government has handled things well or not, has gone, this particular restriction sounds stupid or this, yeah. this rule is you know, doesn't make sense. So how was it finding the balance there that it didn't just come across that we're just criticising the government who are yep. in probably the most difficult situation in, in a few decades? Yeah, look, I think that that actually um, wasn't an easy decision for Chris and I to, um, to take in terms of... No, sorry. It was easy in that that's the right thing to do, what mm. we chose to do, but... There was some pushback in terms of, you know, shouldn't shouldn't Labor always be criticising the Liberals in government? Well, really, uh, when you step back, we need to put the community's interests first and we certainly didn't think that harping on um, political point scoring when we just have to get through a genuine crisis mm. is, is not going to help anyone. So it was sort of a... I think a point at which I personally think Chris really did show some serious leadership. And, you know, if he's putting himself forward to the people of New South Wales to be the alternate premier, he has to show that sort of leadership. So that was, I think, a chance to do that. Uh, There were definitely some really trying times, though, in that, like in the Delta lockdown, Mm. um, particularly for some of the communities I represent and the way the restrictions were different in certain areas and all sorts of things. And I think that, um, you know, where we needed to advocate for our communities, we did that. But that's really not a time for politics. And that really came back from the community. They didn't mm. want us to do that, I don't think. But still, obviously, a really difficult time. I think that particularly that second lockdown that you refer to mm. was when there was just significant split in, in opinions yeah. and, and the initial lockdown that was not, not a lockdown. lockdown yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you're right, like literally... One street on the side of the Northern Road is in a completely different set of restrictions to the other. So uh, a really difficult time. We'll talk about um, 2023 in a moment, but um, you, of course, from a a personal perspective, you have a son, eight-year-old son. Um, How does that... that juggle happen because you're obviously in a in a much more demanding position now. The most demanding you've been in so yeah. far. How how is the the juggle with him? Well, I think any sort of working parent, working mum, or working dad knows like it's just a daily juggle. Like every day is a little bit different, mm-hmm. and you know we just we we manage. Like he's an awesome kid. Um, he you know he's my parents are amazing. Like literally lifesavers. Like many people, like when I go and speak to parents outside schools, a lot of the time it's grandparents picking up from school. You know, we do that. You know, my partner has a couple of kids and he also helps in an amazing way, really supportive. We help each other. Like it's just you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, Max, Max is pretty good at sort of kids are really resilient and they they sort of roll with the punches a little bit. Uh, Mum's job is a bit weird. Does, but, does he understand what you do? Uh, well, he was two when I was elected, so yeah. to him it's sort of normal. But 
He does understand what I do um, because when we go to Woolworths, a lot of people will stop and ask <laughs> questions of me. Um, but, yeah, I think it's important for him to um, know why I'm doing it as well. So, yeah, we, we have a lot of chats about politics. Don't know if I'd ever recommend him going into <laughs> it. But, yeah, it's a, just a juggle like everyone else. So 2023, obviously just around the corner, it feels yeah. like it has come around pretty quick. I yeah. think that if you asked most people today, they would say that um, Chris Minns may well be the Premier and you may well be the Deputy Premier at um, this time. I don't time, know about that. Like, this I time think... next year. I don't know if you can consider yourself the favourites or, or whatnot, but I know everyone loves to be the underdog in those situations. But you must feel somewhat confident. You must feel that there is a potential change in, in the air. Um, it does have that feeling, that almost... Not as dramatic as 2011 the other way, but it certainly feels like there is a shift. Yeah, look, I think uh, the, the government in New South Wales have been in for a long time. Uh, they um, will be asking um, to be a very long-term government if they win in mm. 2023. And what I am confident about is that Chris and the team will be able to present a real alternate vision. And I think that we really will be competitive. We do have to win a lot of seats, but... Uh, I think that we really will, it'll be a competition, a real competition. And as always, Penrith and the surrounding areas will be the centre of attention. uh, (laughs) What what do you think will be the key points? I mean, if you fast forward to then, I mean, we keep saying this, we'll be out of, (laughs) we'll be back into normality, but we may may well be, we may not be. Um, What do you think will be the key issues? You know, the pandemic's potentially behind us, but the ramifications of of lockdowns are going to be long term. Yeah, look... I think definitely at a state level, yes, the ramification of the lockdowns and its impact on small business um, and, you know, in our area in particular, like micro and small businesses are just everywhere. Like, you know, in suburbs like uh, I represent like areas like Jordan Springs is pretty much, you know, like it's full of people that, you know, employ themselves or employ one or two people. So that's that's a huge thing and the economic hit that they've taken uh, and I think in Western Sydney at large, some of the biggest areas will be around how we're dealing with growth, you know, whether it's investment in health, investment in schools where they're needed, um, you know, road upgrades, things like that. Uh, and then, you know, beyond uh, those issues, uh, we, we really need to be looking at what this sort of fourth term coalition government potentially has on the cards, you know, like... We've got a Premier who has gone out there and said that he's, you know, in favour of an increase of the GST. You know, they're out there arguing for a replacement of stamp due with land tax. That will really hurt people in our community. There's a lot of big issues at play. Absolutely. Can we circle back just a few uh, myth-busting questions, potentially, or political myth-busting questions? Um, One of the biggest things that I think people say about politicians is, well... Where were they for the last four years, yep. three years, whatever it may be? They've disappeared, whatever. And, and I, I reckon that's... If I was a politician, I would be most offended by that constant <laughs> remark because I think if... I would challenge them to put their diary against your diary or anyone's diary and see what they do day to day. Can you just run us through, like, what is an average an average day? Um, yeah. In terms of when it, when it starts, when it finishes, and it really doesn't finish. I don't um, want to sound trite, but, like, there's no <laughs> such thing as an average day. But, yeah. like... So, for instance, like, I will um, usually, I suppose in my role as deputy or a shadow minister, like, I'll get um, a phone call usually from 
one of the media advisors at like 5.30 usually in the morning mm-hmm. if there's an issue that they want me to comment on radio. So that happened this morning to do with ventilation in public schools um, and the government's lack of investment in that. Uh, and then say, you know, I might have a day in the electorate uh, where I'm, you know, going in, uh, for instance, I'm opening something at Marsden Park today, a new big transport hub. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going over to Castle Ray to uh, help a community group um, access uh, some a donation from a local company, going to a school. Uh, I might do a, in normal non-COVID times, I might go and do like a listing post somewhere at a shopping centre where I meet people and they raise issues with me. I sometimes do them early in the morning as well I might go to a function at night uh, and somewhere in between there I might pop into my office in St Mary's you know sign some letters speak to some constituents have some meetings so it's pretty full-on and then on the weekends usually I'm doing things like you know shopping centre stores like listening posts I call them where people people would have seen me through the years like they can come up to me and raise issues and then we follow up on those issues and make sure that um, we're fixing where we can um, the the concerns that people have. Does it grind on you when people say that? When people say, "Hey, where are you know where have you been for the last four years?" Or I never heard of this person. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it so much grinds on me because it's pretty much impossible to get to everyone. But yeah. so I suppose it's it's totally people's democratic right to say I don't know you and I never heard of you. But that just means that I've got to work a little bit harder and get to know that person. <laughs> I often say, well, it's kind of on them as well. Like in all honesty, I mean, you could read your your local newspapers, listen to how much you engage. Read the Western is, is really Weekender. Read the Western <laughs> Weekender. That's that's how that's up to you. Um, what about um, social media? You've used you use yeah. social media a lot for. Um, for your, um, you know, to deal with constituents, yeah. to deal with other issues. What about the the nasty side of social media? Is that something that you deal with, particularly as a woman in politics? Yeah, a little bit, but um, at the same time, like it's just another vehicle by which people feel like they can um, raise concerns, sometimes vent. Uh, people, especially in the lockdown, I think were really, really frustrated. So I think uh, it's not as bad as people might expect. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think genuinely the feedback really on social media is people just reaching out. And even in my time, like I'm coming up to seven years, uh, I've seen that completely change. Like when I was first elected, the way people would contact you is you'd see them on the street Mm -hmm. or they'd call the office or email or whatever. And honestly, now it's Facebook. Like, And when you think about it, like how do you go and find something out? You'll go on your phone and look up Instagram or Facebook Mm. or whatever, which apparently my eight-year-old son says Facebook and Instagram for old people. But (laughs) um, but, Have you got a TikTok account? um, I actually do have a TikTok, (laughs) but I haven't haven't used it yet. So because I I, I don't know about politicians on TikTok, but I'm supposed to be on it. But – but, yeah, that's how people interact with you. So, mm-hmm. like, honestly, it's so much of what we do is responding to, to people who raise issues on social media. And, like, I would just say to anyone, like, if you have something you think needs fixing or you want to give your opinion, like, just get on to any politician. And I'm sure, like, anyone, like any, you know, Stuart Ayres, everyone would say that. I think, and to, to a lesser extent at council level, I always tell people, Councillors have their mobile phone, like their direct mobile phone numbers yes. on the Penrith Council website. Like yes. when people say that they can't access politicians, yep. they're actually a lot more accessible. Their local representatives are a lot more accessible than they think. Mm. Um, what about the fact that obviously you're in opposition and your job is to is to oppose the yep. you know the government in general? Um, 
I'm a firm believer that no political party could possibly get it right all of the time. No. What about the days where you go, well, actually, I think it was a pretty good announcement. Like, I mean, how does that unfold in terms of you're not really going to go out there and say that? I mean, that's not something that, that happens. Yeah. Um, are there days when you go, here's some talking points and, gee, I don't really agree with that. Like, how do you balance that side of things? Yeah. Do you know, uh, people would be surprised that the vast majority of even the bills that come to Parliament... Um, we would sort of all have, not all of us, but major parties would have similar views on, right? So, like, Mm. we're not always at each other's throat. Like, what people see on the news and stuff is just, like, snippets, and it's not like that all the time. There are some things that the government does announce that, like, say, in my portfolio of education where I will go, I'm not going to criticise that because I don't, think it's worth criticizing like Mm -hmm. and like if there's one thing i know is that people hate that they hate it and fair enough like if it doesn't make sense to criticize it like why are you harping on negative people hate that like the opposition is there to hold the government to account and and present an alternative absolutely and that's like part of a robust democracy uh but like just criticizing for the sake of criticizing doesn't do anyone any good and it certainly doesn't help my the you know, the standing of my profession in the public eye. And I guess away from, from state, federal labour faces that challenge at the moment yeah. in that the, to be honest, the easy way is probably just to go anti-Scott Morrison yeah. all the way through because that's playing pretty well at the moment, to yeah. be honest. He's probably doing himself, <laughs> he's, he's um, putting himself in that position, but um, it's, it's kind of got to go, well, how personal do you go, you know, yeah. before it, it's just too negative? Yes, and I think we know that people just don't like that you know like they want a real contest of what the options are in terms of policy and you know fill your boots you know if you think that the the labor or the liberal policy is going to be bad for australia in our case the state like go your hardest but i think when it gets a bit personal people people hate that stuff do you think things have changed in regards to the classic political, like we can go kissing babies or whatever else, but, you know, the other night I was watching, um, you know, Dominic Perrottet supposedly making sandwiches for his, yeah. his children and, and whatnot. Now, I think we could accept and know and be quite happy to know that he probably doesn't do that every morning. He's probably at Parliament or his office by, by six o'clock in the morning. Do you think that the public still buys that? Is that still no. is that still the messaging that you know, or is it too old school and that people are awake up to that now? Yeah, I think people know that like every family is trying to juggle everything, and then like not mum and dad are at like not every family's nuclear like that either. Yeah. Like yeah. they're this they're like they're at home making you know Vegemite sandwiches for all their kids in the morning. Like it's I I think that um, people because of social media and how much media people consume all the time are much smarter than a lot of people in politics give them credit for. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think we just have to treat people, um, you know, with the, like, intelligently, like, with the respect that they deserve. Mm. And what about final myth-busting thing is that... that all politicians lie, you know, and, yeah. and, and this this constant... But I think if you went back through most government, most governments fulfil at least the majority, if not have attempted to fill the majority of commitments. Now, not always the case, and that's what yep. that's your job to, to absolutely point out. But often there's circumstances at play here. It is not a case of, like, do you ever believe that there is an intentional, we are going to say this and never deliver it? Like, whether yeah. you're in opposition or government. Yeah, look, I think there are some cases where the government commits to things 
and makes out like it's going, it's announcing it, but they're only announcing, say, planning money or mm. something like that. And people probably don't understand that right? side of it. Yeah. yeah, so when they commit to, say, a high school somewhere and people buy lots of land because they think there's going to be a high school and then there's only planning money and the construction is five to ten years away, that's, in my mind, that is deceitful, right? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I don't think it's true to say all politicians lie, but I tell you what, there's been plenty of people, and unfortunately on both sides, that have sort of helped people to believe that. So it's sort of really incumbent on, I think, the decent and good ones, of which there are actually are many on all sides, um, to just be good and hardworking and prove that most of us have great intentions, maybe different ways to get there. Uh, but, you know, we're just working hard trying to get a good result for the community. For sure. Final um, final question, I guess. What about your future? Where do you where do you believe you, you want to be? And I know the safe answer is to say, hey, I just <laughs> want to be the Deputy Premier of New South Wales next uh, next March, but I do, you obviously yeah. must have aspirations beyond that as well, potentially. Like, where does, where does your future, do you feel, lie? Yeah, look, um, I have a marginal seat. You know, like, I, my, it's just one of those seats where I have to fight at every election. So first and foremost is getting re-elected. And I know people think I'm going to say that, but that's true. Like I just don't have one of those seats that's Mm -hmm. either going to be a safe Labor or a safe Liberal seat. So work really hard, um, as always, to get re-elected and then see, you know, if I'll serve however the Labor Party sort of asked me in opposition or in government, you know, like it's a massive honour to be deputy leader if i'm deputy premier like what an honor that is like to get you know that's um yeah that's it's a great honor for me um just get re-elected and see where it takes me you are in a career where um i guess ego is not the right word but you're in a career where there is significant progression around you so premier one day is that in your well let's see (laughs) Let's see. Can't rule it out. Eh? I, I can't rule no it one sh- out. And no one should knows. ever rule that out, yeah, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I said it was the final question, but one, one more. If there is someone listening, um, a younger person who, who, like you at 15, is, I want to get involved in politics, what, what would be your recommendation these days in terms of how to follow that yeah. pursuit? Um, get onto social media, find someone that you identify with. So, you know, if you, um, if you think you're Labour or Liberal, you know, find someone, um, particularly in your local area, that uh, you think sort of reflects how you see the world. Contact them and just go, "Hey, I want to get involved," um, and I will, I will guarantee that one of us will get back to you. And there's there's people on all sides of politics that will mentor you, get involved in your future. Uh, we need more normal young people in politics. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so so get involved. It actually is a really great way to make a difference. Awesome. Well, Prue, thank you very much for joining us. Thank and you. Uh, um, we know how passionate you are about this community. And um, normally we speak to people about their very long life in Penrith. You've still got so much more to, to give to Penrith. But uh, thank you very much and all the best in 2023. Thank you. And I hope you enjoyed our chat with Prue. A reminder that On The Record is released every Monday. Just search Western Weekender. Wherever you listen to podcasts and hit the subscribe button, On The Record is produced by the Western Weekender and recorded at the studios of My88. Check out westernweekender.com.au and we'll see you next time.
Stay informed, up to date and entertained thanks to Para News. Para News is Parramatta's leading local newspaper, delivering the best content from on-the-ground journalists and providing businesses with direct access to potential customers. News, sport, entertainment, auto, crosswords and so much more. Para News really is the heartbeat of Parramatta. Out every Tuesday, get your copy at selected pickup spots across the region or check out paranews.com.au. Para News, your local news leader.